in today's show. I'm looking at rankings, what they mean, how they can be interpreted, how they can be misinterpreted, what we need to pay attention to. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Now, something that you will hear me talk about a lot of the time is rankings. It's something that gets spoken about in fantasy basketball a lot. I think that at times, a lot of the time, it gets overvalued, over-focused on, and over-relied upon. And I'm here to talk about some of the reasons for that and some of the reasons for the way that I do things and the way that I talk about things. We all love rankings. It's just inherent. Anytime you see a top 10 list or the best seven or the 33rd best ways to eat fruit sticks or some crap from some site, whatever, we all click on it. We all love it. Who's ranked one? Who's, man, this guy can't believe he's fifth and you got someone else sixth. We love it or we hate it, but it engages us, rankings. And fantasy basketball and fantasy sports is no different. You constantly, you play fantasy football. You say, well, this guy, I think he's wide receiver 11 or he's my wide receiver two. He's my wide receiver seven. Like, okay, what does that mean? Does it mean anything? What's the difference between these guys? Does it actually mean that much? But we love to put people in hierarchies and pecking orders. And again, fantasy basketball is no different. When I reference things, when I talk about player rankings, you know, what, what I'm looking at is what has happened and how we put those guys in order. But the general purpose of it, it's not as important as it's made out to be. If someone's the 15th ranked player and someone's the 17th ranked player, it doesn't matter, right? They are basically the same sort of guys. And especially when we're talking in category leagues, the, as you get further down a rankings list, the differences between the 50th and the 60th guy, it doesn't actually matter that much because it's all about what are they providing in what areas and what does that mean for your team? But we love focusing on rankings and I can be guilty of that at times as well. One of the things that we're going to really focus in on today's show is how rankings can be misleading and how you need to really look at what the numbers mean, what they are telling you, and how that can be played out and what you can use from that moving forward when evaluating players. You know, We can look back at the rankings from last season. We can look back at the rankings from two seasons. People ask me, Josh, when are you putting your rankings out for this coming season? And as I'll always say, that's not really what I do. It's not about here's a list, just draft off that list because there's a lot of other factors that come into it. And a single ranking number generally can't provide that sort of value for you or can't provide what you are looking for. The 61st best player is not this player that you have to take over the 62nd best player. That's not how it has to work. But people get really bogged down on these sort of things. And I'm going to show you some examples of how rankings can really get skewed. Now, before I get into talking about that, one of the things that 
yeah, people will often criticize me for on this show. So how come you, you, you hate turnovers? How come you just never care about turnovers? And I, I want to get this out clear, and I'm sure I'll do it a million other times, right? If you want to have turnovers in your league, by all means. And it is really hard to find the perfect group of nine category leagues. At the moment, my thing that I'm looking at is, hey, I think field goal percentage should be replaced with e-field goal percentage. I think it's a better representation. And I really hate the presence of three-pointers made as a category. All right? I don't think that should be there, but that's beyond the point. What I'm saying is, is that I, in general, I will discount turnovers when I'm viewing the value of players for a number of reasons. Turnovers are a negative category. Everything else is a positive category. Right? So the players who have the ball in their hands, who have higher usage, and one of the components of usage is turnovers, they will get higher turnovers in general. So the players that score more, the players that are on the court longer, the players that get more assists will get lower turnover, will get higher turnovers. Right? So if you are, and this all this will all tie back to rankings in a second. So in general, especially when I've got two categories that are diametrically opposed, assists and turnovers. All right, if you get high assists, you generally will have higher turnovers. Nearly every, like nearly every time, that is how it works. Right, they are diametrically opposed. It is very hard to be the best team in a fantasy league in assists and a bet the best team in turnovers. That is one of the most impossible things that you will do. So what I do in terms of referring to rankings, I don't like to include turnovers in there. And I'll show you examples as to why I don't. And one of the, one of the things is, again, because if, if I am out here and I am losing in assists or I am punting the assists category in a category league, you know what's going to be really strong? My turnovers. Anyway, even if I don't, and when I always reference rankings, I will always not include turnovers in those rankings. But then if I go in and I punt assists, the turnover value gets included in there. But if you don't, if you have turnovers already in the mix, and I know they're one of the nine categories, but just hear me out on this. If you have a turnovers in that mix, and then you punt assists, it basically double weights the value of a turnover. And again, turnovers, you can actually get low turnovers by not playing anybody. That's another one of those reasons. If you're in a situation where you have injuries during a week, you're at a games played disadvantage during the week, you know what also happens? Your turnovers become stronger. So if you're planning to have these great turnover numbers and these really low turnover numbers, yeah, you, you can actually still achieve the same thing if you're in a discrepancy area while also hurting your scoring and assists. And there's very, very, very few players, Tyus Jones, Chris Paul, probably you know, the two names that really come to hit my mind, who can be good at assists and good at turnovers or high usage players who are really low at turnovers. So these things, they're really hard to find. It's very, very specific to get those guys in. In saying all of this, I think, and I haven't done this yet, but I think this season, heading into the year, that punting assists is going to be a really, really strong category, really strong punt strategy, meaning that the value of players there that will be that will be on a lot of those winning squads or those teams that I think look look good will have low turnovers because you're disregarding the assist category. But if you disregard assists and then also include the value of turnovers in your overall evaluation and ranking of a player, it skews things, I think, way too much. I am not saying to disregard turnovers. You can look to build a team that has low turnovers. But what I am saying is that when you look at a ranking of a player, and if you include the standard score, which is the standard way of ranking things across those nine categories, and you include turnovers in there, I think it gives you a completely um, distorted representation of what that player's value is for the season 
including turnovers. That's not to, again, you can value them, but when you are looking at, hey, this guy's ranked 10th or 20th or 30th, and you've got turnovers in that mix, it skews what your value is of that player. I hope that all makes sense. It'll make more sense when we go through some of this stuff. But before we go through it, it's time for Bilt Bar. I just had my Bilt Bar. It was bloody good. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They got a new flavor. Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. What a great flavor. What a great name. We've seen coconut brownie flavors before for Bilt Bar, but this is the Puff, which is like a marshmallowy goodness, chewy texture sort of thing. As always, the bars are all covered in 100% real chocolate. They taste great. They're low in calories. They're low in fat. They're low in sugar, but they're high in protein. And the protein, it's a collagen protein. That's really, really easily absorbed by your body and gets in there, does its work, and does it really, really quickly. And they taste amazing. So it's like grabbing a treat, having it go, wow, I should feel guilty for having this. But no, you don't because it's low calorie, it's low fat, and it is low sugar. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing and get to Built.com for you to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and Built Bar is, of course, Built Different. So when you know I'm saying all this, and there's going to be still plenty of you watching this who are going to be saying that you're talking crap. Turnovers is a category. You have to include it when ranking guys. You have to. Okay. Um, let's, you know, I'm not going to, this guy's not on my list, but Luka Doncic, when I go to view things, and the way I do it is I discount turnovers. He was the 12th ranked player this season for category leagues, right? He was drafted in the top two or three. It's still too high, but yeah, you punt free throws and he does jump up to like fourth. Okay, so I can understand that argument. In a league that includes turnovers or a rank, sorry, a ranking that includes turnovers, he was the 26th ranked player. Now, I don't think there is any situation where you can come to me and tell me that Luka Doncic is the 26th best player in fantasy. Regardless of what those numbers tell you, I am telling you that that number is a wrong evaluation. That is how I look at that. He is. You, we're looking at it in the standard 12-team league, Luka Doncic is a third-round value player. And if you are playing category leagues, you wouldn't draft him until the third round. I call absolute bullshit on that. I don't, I don't think there's any way that you would say, I would not draft Luka Doncic until the third round. Because getting the volume of points, assists, um, rebounds, threes, like that volume is so valuable versus the oh, he turns it over four times a game, right? So that's one of those those big examples. Like, do you think that taking Robert Williams, who finished fifteenth in nine category leagues, that he is a much better fantasy option than Luka Doncic because he doesn't turn the ball over? To me, that's just it's just doesn't make a lot of sense. If I compare those guys. Like Rob Williams, you know, using an example, he was 30th in, in uh, rankings without turnovers and 15th with them. Like he averaged 10 points per game. Doncic was at, you know, 28. Zero threes to three threes. Rebounds basically the same. 9.1 versus 9.7. Two assists versus 8.7. Do- Doncic had more steals. Yes, Williams had more blocks and better field goals, but worse free throws. But you, you can't sit there and tell me because he doesn't turn it over that you would prefer a Rob Williams over a Luka Doncic. And that is why, that's just one example, but that is why when I say, you know, when you're looking at rankings, if we're going to reference guys and say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's almost, honestly, on a per-game basis, nine cat, that's saying you would take Rob Williams as a first-round player. Because 
Anthony Davis was 12th in nine-count leagues, and we know about his injuries. Probably wouldn't take him there, would you? Um, you know, would you would you be taking Rob Rob Williams was 15th, Christos Porzingis was 16th. Like, really? Is that where we're going to look at these guys? Let's go to some other numbers that I think are important. Russell Westbrook, he didn't have a great season. We know that. He was 130 in eight category leagues, 232nd in nine category leagues. That is basically saying that you would not have him on a roster in a 16-team league. Now, I know he had his struggles, but that's wild. That, that, is, that is a wild... You can say that he was poor, and he, but he had strengths. But that number is completely misleading as to his value. Kevin Porter Jr. didn't take the steps that some thought he would, including myself. He was 104th in eight-cat leagues, 202nd in nine-cat leagues. Again, not a 16-team roster rule player, according to those numbers, because he turns it over. And the bunch of players who are ranked ahead of him in that sort of situation, like, are we taking, like, it's 202nd, um, Kevin Porter is, so you're looking at, would you take, let's find a name, Chris Dunn, who is 156th, take him over um, over Kevin Porter? I'd suggest not. Uh, would you take Karis LeVert, maybe? Reggie Jackson? Um, Alex Caruso? Like, the, not, Kevin Porter wasn't the best player, but, that number suggests that he's nowhere near rosterable. Now, RJ Barrett suffers a lot for fantasy, but there's a big discrepancy for him as well. 208th in eight, 279th in nine cat leagues. Now, he's a guy where, yeah, even that eight cat ranking is misleading because he's got terrible percentages, low steals, low blocks. He's all bad, but the value of his scoring and some of his rebounding assists, there has some value there. Now, he has never been a good category league player, and I don't expect him to be some big breakout player or anything like that. But again, it is a gigantic discrepancy of 80 spots based on the turnover category. Josh Giddy was 92nd in eight category leagues last season, 160th if you include turnovers. Giddy turned the ball over quite a bit. We know this. That's, that's what happens with rookies and with point guards a lot. But the value that he provided in assists, got some steals with his rebounding. Does it mean that he was an unrosterable player? Because he turned the ball over? I don't believe so. Then you go to the other side of things. Brandon Clark. Like Brandon Clark, he's going to have a really good year. He's going to be a big, big rosterable guy. He was 152nd in eight category leagues. Probably a 14-team league standard guy. Borderline for 12s. 110th if you include turnovers. So we're out here saying that you know, you'd rather have Brandon Clark than Westbrook, Porter, Giddy. I, I, I don't really think that's true. Matisse Thibel was basically a top 100 player in nine category leagues. He never turned the ball over, but he also never hit threes, never got points, never got assists, didn't really rebound, didn't score. He got some steals and blocks. Um, never got to the free throw, but 106th in, eight, in nine category leagues, 144th for nine cat, borderline 12, which is sort of where he should have been. Clint Capella so had probably a disappointing season, but he was 95th versus 60th if you include turnovers. And then Cam Johnson, who was, if you include in turnovers, a top 100 player. And I don't really think anybody, was anybody consider Cameron Johnson as a top 100 guy, a, a top two-thirds player? Yeah, you're taking round, was it round eight? Is that, He's a round eight player based on his production. These are the big outliers, the guys with the big discrepancies, of course. But I think they're important to note. 
Yeah, Johnson averaged 12, 4, and 1 with under a steal and 0.2 blocks. But his value spiked because he never got turnovers. Just didn't turn it over. Never got assists, but didn't get turnovers. And that bumps that number up. Whereas for a, a value without turnovers, he's 127th, which I think feels a little bit more fair. Fringe guy, back-end guy, bench player versus starter sort of a player. I think that's probably a fairer representation of his value. The next part I want to look at is in t- talking about rankings. Because there are, you know, and this is another thing that I probably should have mentioned more at the start, and I didn't do it, apologies for that, is that when you see people reference rankings, well, this guy was ranked here. What do you mean? Do you mean eight category rankings, points league rankings, nine category league rankings, per game rankings, total rankings? What do you mean? Because they all vary wildly. And having the definition of what you are talking about, what you're referring to, what you're listening to, and when I talk values, Eight cat per game is what I talk about, right? Others will talk about other numbers, but it's important to know what people are talking about because that skews the numbers a ton. Totals is an interesting thing because it's all well and good, and I think it's it's strong to look back at the end of the season and go, well, this guy provided this value because he played in that many games, right? But what, what does that help you is my, my question to you. Because the season is done, the rankings are yeah, the season is over. We saw that this guy played his eighty games versus someone who played sixty five games, whether they got COVID or they were suspended or they got injured or whatever the reason was. But that would push that player significantly higher. Now we can say that fantasy is a season long game. We know that it is, but it's also if you're playing in a head to head league, points or categories. Player availability is important, but you know when it's actually important the most is in the playoffs. Because if you miss those 10 games in December, it's recoverable from. If you miss those 10 games in March, then you've lost your playoff matchup. So while total value, and in Roto, that's probably a little bit more important because you you spread that throughout the whole season and the contribution has got to be there. But also in Roto, that when you miss games, you you don't actually get zeros. You just can slide someone else into that spot to get the full 82 from that position. So it's not that important. But my other main reason why I don't reference total value of players is because these these things happened, but does it mean that it's going to happen moving forward? If someone got hurt, Does that mean that they're going to get hurt the next season? Does it mean that they're not going to get hurt the next season? Dylan Brooks played 32 games this year. So we can look at where he ranked. I'm not saying uh, he's not a great player, obviously. You know my opinion on him. But where did he rank? Does that mean that, oh, man, that total value is 250th. Wow, completely undraftable. Dylan Brooks was, you know, whatever he was, 250th last season on a total value. But it has actually zero impact on how we view him moving forward. People get hurt a lot. Will Anthony Davis be healthy this year? Maybe, maybe not. He has had multiple seasons of 75 games played, and the last couple have been rough. LeBron is getting injured. Yeah, we know this. Joel Embiid was healthy and was right up the top in total value uh, performances this season. Where was Embiid? Third in eight category totals and, and second in nine category totals. Right After missing a bunch of time. It's really hard to predict... Who's going to look unless a player enters the season with 
an injury, Jaron Jackson Jr., unless a player enters a season with, or with consistent body issues that have just happened continually over and over again, where you know it's additive, it's probably someone like a Jimmy Butler, where you know there's going to be some injuries. Um, even LeBron's current injury thing, Kevin Durant getting hurt after his Achilles and, and consistent problems there. You, you, you got to have a discount on that. But Anthony Davis was 12th in nine cap per game and 88th in nine cap totals. All right, which one of those is, is more? We, we expect him to miss some time, but that 88 doesn't tell you anywhere near the real story of who Anthony Davis is as a fantasy player. So if I have a look at some values here of the differences between a, a guy that plays or the, the rankings on an eight cat per game versus eight cat total. And you see that you have, if we're using that sort of stuff to project forward, it can be pretty misleading. Like Chris Boucher was 187th per game, but 113th in total value because he just played more games than others. But again, we're playing fantasy playoffs. Does it actually matter that much if he played more games through January and February than other guys? Not really. Terrence Mann. How many of you would have thought that Terrence Mann was basically a top 100 player last season if you base it on the total volume of his games? Not one person here would have thought, oh, Terrence Mann, great guy to have held all season. And I just don't think that would have provided you that value. Evan Fournier went from 165th to 103rd. We know that he sucked for nearly all season. But based on the fact that he played a lot of games, he's there. But Fournier is a guy that's had a lot of injuries in the past. So is this, does this mean that we look to rank him around that area? Probably not. Jordan Clarkson, 90th on total value, but 149th in per game. Then on the flip side of things, Anthony Davis, 17th in 8-cat per, per game versus 98th totals. Would you take him at 17 next season on a per-game basis? You probably wouldn't. There's got to be some sort of discount in that. You, you might look at Davis you know, at 20th, 24th. But the other part of this is, is that we can say, well, we're just avoiding all these injury guys. At some point, at some point, they, they have to get taken. Because if you're not going to take Lillard because he got hurt, or Beal because he got hurt, or Davis because he got hurt, or Pozingas because he got hurt, or Rob Williams because he gets hurt, or Paul George because he got hurt, or Kawhi Leonard because he got hurt, are you, gonna, are you just going to forfeit your second-round pick? At some point, you've got to say, well, maybe they're going to stay healthy, and that some of these numbers don't necessarily mean anything. I'm telling you now, I cannot predict an injury. It's impossible to do. I can't predict, and people are like, I'll go the safe guy. You know who the safe players were for injuries in those first couple of rounds this season? Damian Lillard, never gets hurt. Bradley Beal, he's safe, always plays. Plays through everything, even when the Wizards aren't competing, sure. You know who else is safe? Bam Adebayo, he plays through everything. Okay, cool. You know who's safe at the moment? Nikola Jokic, he plays all the time. He, he missed eight games this season, but that does not preclude Nikola Jokic from getting hurt next season. Now, that does not say you don't take Jokic at one, because you do but it doesn't preclude that from happening. Much like you know, guys like Carl Anthony Towns who never got hurt for four years and then missed a bunch of time and then was back being healthy again. Which one is it? It's really hard. It's not really hard. It's literally impossible to predict injuries when they happen. Literally impossible. Johnny Collins was 56th per game, 100th on totals, while Paul Zingas, he was 26th in per game value in 8-cat and 67th in totals. Still not bad, but he's going to fall tremendously. Yet, in a 9-cat per game, he's like 16th. So, the value is, is here for him as a th at least a third-round guy, but he's going to fall a lot based on injuries. And, and look, he's a guy, and Davis is a guy too, where we know that there's got to be a discount baked in, but at some point, the value's got to be there. And it's not 
where they finished in totals last season. The one where I think there's the biggest and wildest discrepancy is in eight cat per game, which is the numbers that I value and the numbers that I talk about, versus nine cat total, which is often the number that will get ranked on a Yahoo or ESPN in particular. ESPN loves doing a total ranking. So you will come out and you will see that when I talk Sadiq Bay, he was 111th, but ESPN might have had him 52nd. Was the depressed penis the 52nd best player in fantasy basketball? Sure, if you want to use that metric, would you draft him at number 50 next season? Or if you did, I reckon you'd be probably making a big mistake. So what point does that number give it? What value does that give us? Nothing. Alec Burks was 133rd versus 61st. Daniel Gafford, he was 79th in nine cat totals. Now we know Gafford had a little stretch of being valuable, but a seventh round player? Would you look at that and go, yeah, Gafford, seventh round guy. That ah, would have made sense to pick him in the seventh round. Would have been That's a great pick. That makes a lot of sense. No, you, you wouldn't. Mikhail Bridges, this is one that's really, really key. Bridges plays a lot. He was 81st in 8K per game value. And I think anyone who's watching this or listening to this that had Mikhail Bridges on their team would say, yeah, that's probably about where he was. He was a little bit disappointing for most of the year. Nine cat totals, 24th best player. And I absolutely challenge anybody who is watching or listening to this show to say, yeah, I'll happily take Bridges in the second round. No worries. Nine cat totals, mate. Absolutely. I'll take Bridges there at pick 24. And you'll say, well, you don't have to actually take him there, Josh, because he'll slide, but he'll still bring me that value. Is it really that value? Is a guy who averages 14, 4, and 2 with under one and a half threes, 1.2 steals, and 0.4 blocks, who shot, admittedly, 53 and 83 on very low attempts, is that worth a second round pick? Luka Doncic, right? Luka Doncic, would you take Mikhail Bridges over Luka Doncic, who was ranked. Like, where was Luka Doncic ranked, actually, in nine cat totals? 30th. Is Bridges half a round better than Luka Doncic in fantasy? And I, I, I hope, I surely hope that your answer is no. And this is not to say you don't can't value turnovers. Um, it's, it's talking about the importance of understanding the numbers, understanding the limitations of numbers, understanding that rankings probably don't mean that much and can absolutely be skewed to tell a certain story. And valuing how it makes sense on your team and where that all fits in together is more important than who's got the higher or lower number in this case. Jared Vanderbilt, 131st in eight cat per game versus 75 in nine cat total. Jared Vanderbilt, one of the best of standard leagues in the top half of guys. I don't think so. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, actually better than that. 125th versus 71st. Like the value of turnovers of these guys that play more games, it skews that value wildly. Monty Morris, he was just fine. Oh, but nine cat totals, he was 67th. Is that actually useful? Does it, what does that tell us for the future? I don't think it tells us anything. And the last one is Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell, who I was almost exclusively told, man, what a disappointment this guy's been. He's been so bad. Well, he was the 78th ranked player in nine cat totals last season, 128th in per game. Like this is this is not to say that Vassell or Morris or KCP or Vanderbilt or Bridges or any of these guys don't have value in the right spots. But it's about overvaluing or overrepresenting how important they are and how that can skew your opinions on players. Try and get out of the trap of just ranking guys consistently and putting them in this area. And working out scarcity 
what it means on your team. Probability. Are they hurt? Are they not hurt? Was that an outlier season? Versus just looking at numbers when there are... And you know, there's five different ranks that will get bandied about. Eight cap per game, eight cap total. Probably six. Nine cap per game, nine cap total. Points average, points total. Right? Those numbers will get bandied about. And as you can see, there can be absolutely wild differences. Hey, did you know Kyrie Irving was the 157th ranked player last season? No, he wasn't. He was fifth. Okay. That's what I mean. And you've got the, the reasoning behind both of those things. But numbers without context, without importance, without knowing what you're doing on a team, doesn't mean anything. So which one of those is true? They're all true in their all true sort of areas. Is Paul George the 13th ranked player or the 189th ranked player? Like, which one is it? Because he was 189th in nine cat totals. Does that mean we shouldn't draft Paul George? He was 13th in eight cat per game. Does that mean we should take him at the end of the first round? Maybe. Like, these are all things that skew wildly. And it's very, very important to understand what the numbers mean and how we interpret it. So I hope, I hope that this explains why when I reference numbers, I don't include the turnovers in there because I just think that when we're trying to value these players and put them in the right context, that if we include the turnovers, again, because I think it's a, dub, a double up with assists or a counteract to assists, that it actually hurts our appreciation or our appropriate valuation of those players. If you're in a situation where you're trying to get low turnovers, you'll almost definitely have low assists. So there's different ways to go about that without doubling up those numbers. So I, I do hope that that helps you understand why I do it. It's not that I'm just discounting people who play nine cat leagues. It's that I think that it leads you to overvaluing guys who have these low turnovers when realistically in that sort of a situation, I, I just don't think that it's the right way to go about it. Um, let me, well, actually, let me, one last example on that turnover thing. You know, I, I come in and uh, Rob Williams was, you know, 30th or whatever he was when I talk about my rankings, which feels about right. If you go into a situation and include turnovers, we said he was 15th. If you go into a situation and um, you punt assists with turnovers on, he was the seventh ranked player. So if you're going in, I'm in a nine cat league, I'm going to punt assists, but you've got turnovers on, you look at that and go, wow, wow, Rob Williams at pick seven, maybe. Mm, I don't think so. Porzingis at 10, Miles Turner at 11, Jarrett Allen at 15, John Collins at 24, whereas you've then you've got DeJounte Murray at 25 in this situation, Trey Young at 30, Bobby Portis at 35. All right. It's, that's, it's a doubling up effect which really can impact your draft strategy and your valuation of players. I encourage all sorts of commentary on this. And as I said, I think at this early point that my preferred strategy this season coming in is probably going to be punting assists. But if I'm doing it, I'm not including turnovers in the mix when I'm valuing those guys because I think it's going to make things completely wild in terms of evaluation and lead to an overall poorer team. But I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with that. Drop your comments down below. Tweet them at me as well. Um, and after this show, thanks for making this your first listen. Go listen to Locked On NBA, all of the news across the NBA in 30 minutes. Locked On NBA can be your second listen every day. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Thumb it up. 
Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.